Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Soap Dish Port Charles Style. I am your host, Tony Ann, and with me this week, I've got Dylan and Nick. Say hello, everybody. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Before we jump into our weekly stories, we do have a bit of news. First things first, effective Tuesday, July 25th, we will officially be in strike material for better or worse. What do we think? I'm scared. I'm very scared. Because like, well. what if it's better than what we're getting and then we have to go back to what we were getting? <laughs> like, <it's> just... <laughs> like, I'm, I'm nervous, but I feel like I'm just going to be optimistic until they give me a reason not to. Yeah, because I'm already to, upset. Yeah. Can't, can't but, get worse, I don't think. And I feel like we really don't know how much leeway they have to like mess around with planned story directions. And I know like the instinct is to compare this to like when the last strike happened. But the genre isn't in the same place it was when the last strike happened. Because no. at that time there were eight Maybe nine because I don't know if Passions had already wrapped. Passions were... had, I think Passions was com- coming off the air. Like it had announced it was being canceled, but it hadn't aired. Like the finale hadn't aired yet. Yeah, so there were there were eight or nine soaps still on the air at the time of the last strike, and now there's four. And so, given that the state of the genre is much more adverse to taking risks and and being like wildly divergent now i i don't know how far off like planned out story they're they're they would take things so there's also the question of how long do you think they were able to plan out because you have to kind of guess how long the strike is going to go for yeah so i don't i don't know how much of a a tonal shift or like dramatic change there will be it's just going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. I will say I'm kind of open for most of the show because the show is in such a weird place with a lot of their stories that I feel like change could be good however there is one particular story where change makes me nervous and that is with Spencer and Trina. I'm just can it get what? worse? I'm I'm trying to figure yeah. out like I'm it can. I can I would hope that someone took a look around and are looking at what people are reacting positively to and will lean into that. But I'm so I'm nervous as hell. Yeah, I'm thinking like it feel like I'm writing the damn show. Like I'm scared. (laughs) Like I ain't gonna like it. Is it gonna go well? Like I'm nervous. I don't know what I. I don't think I really remember being this aware of the strike the last time it happened. No, because I don't like social. Like I don't think any of us were really on social media much back then i know i for sure wasn't i wasn't i wasn't on twitter i know that much and i don't think i was i had just gotten into soaps that was like 08 so like i had just gotten into the soaps i had just gotten into message boards so 
I didn't I don't think I found out about the strike until years later when I got into Wikipedia and stuff. Like, I feel like because we're so plugged in now, because we know how things work, we know where to find spoilers and things like that, we're a lot more aware of things. Mm-hmm. Which makes us a little more nervous. Definitely. Yeah. But do we have anything else we want to add about this before we move into our next little piece of news? Molly has been recast again, despite TV line reporting that Holiday was staying through the summer. Um, Were you guys shocked when a new Molly appeared on our screens in the middle of last week or this week? I was confused because it took me a few hours to figure out who she was because I wasn't home. I was at work and I was like, who is this lady <laughs> in these scenes with Christina and Sam? And they were like, oh, Molly got recast again. I'm like, why? And then Twitter did what it did. Um, <laughs> she's not a bad actor. I'm just trying to figure out. I don't think she's the right age for the role. And it looks weird because Molly's supposed to be the baby sister. And I'm also concerned for what she and Taj are going to look like together. Because I have a feeling since this recast happened so suddenly, they were not recasting with their chemistry in mind. Yeah. It, Which... it's, it's weird. It's it's weird. And like the the most optimistic I can be is like, hope that she's really good and we get used to it because I mean like we, <laughs> we yeah, got please used let, to Dante and Olivia so like like please let this be the last recast like I can't say that um thing is with Dante and Olivia that makes sense she was a teenager when she had him sir what she was at, at <laughs> the 13 <laughs> like let's let's not let's not I'm just saying like I get that she was supposed to be a young mom but she wasn't 10 no, so let's, she wasn't. let's not no but we've also dealt with this with other more iconic mother son see parents. that's what I'm saying like we, we've gotten used to it we yeah, can, like, like her... if she's really good we'll get to the point where we overlook it yeah her being Nancy Lee Grant's daughter isn't my issue. It's her being Kate Mancy's younger sister. That's my issue. It's her being in scenes with with Molly. Uh, Molly. Oh my gosh. With Sam and Christina and all of them looking the same age. Same age. The same age. It, that is and the we, problem. And we know for a fact that Sam was 25 years old when Molly was born. Because she was in Port Charles. And that's not an exaggeration. Sam was born May 11th, 1980. Molly was born November 10th, 2005. Sam was 25. So they're playing musical Molly's and we're just supposed to sit here and like try to digest this. I hope, I just hope she has chemistry with everyone she's supposed to have chemistry with. And I hope it doesn't look too weird. Yeah. I, I will say she is she is a good actress like she was thrown in 
Like the first scenes that she had were very emotional and she did them well. I just hope that the chemistry holds up. That's my only concern. Oh, yeah. She's, yeah she's like, no shade. Because, I mean, um, I don't know how many people watched too close to home but like she's a she's a decent actress and she does know how to soap so wait 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 too close to home as in tyler perry's too close to home yes oh this is not helping (laughs) (laughs) yeah she played i I forgot what her character i think her character's name was shelby or shelly or something like that but yeah she she did fine Blocked most of that show out. So did all of us. So did the rest of us. I literally said, I don't know how many people watched. I watched it, but I don't think I stuck with it. You didn't retain it. Uh, Yeah, maybe nobody stuck with it. It's (laughs) Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I'm praying hard. But like, she was, she She did well. She was one of the decent ones there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, y'all stress me out. I just... <laughs> but I, I do hope that this recast sticks and that we actually can get used to her in the role and, and grow to like her in the role because I will say the revolving door of Molly's is not helping the story. The yeah. story at all. It's because we were just starting to get used to Holiday and I was accustomed to Holiday by the second day. Her second episode yeah. I and people have kept complaining and now look what y'all did (laughs) okay because it's not Haley. thing is i don't even think this was a complaint from fans i when they announced holiday i think she was specifically cast to be a temp for Haley. And it makes sense because close your eyes and listen to her and i I would close my eyes and hear her voice and actually think it was just an older version of Haley talking and thing is, I don't think I don't think she was that much older than Haley. But I think once they realized Haley wasn't coming back for the foreseeable future, they were like, "Okay, now we have to get somebody that we feel can carry this role long term." And I guess she won out. Is it, the age thing is going to bother me because I'm going to notice? Yeah. Yeah, she it was thinking also, she's not a bad actor. That's the thing; she's not bad. It was also jarring for me because I first saw the screenshot of her standing in the doorway at Sam's, and I did not read the caption of the picture. And I was just scrolling Twitter, and I literally said to myself, "What the hell is Sasha doing at Sam's?" <laughs> <laughs> Sasha, I was say Sasha had a busy week, but. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll be talking about that in a couple minutes. Oh. God. But yeah, I'm I'm nervous about everything right now. Yeah, we're we're kind of in a in in the land of the unknown right now, and it is not a comfortable place to be. Give Taj Bella a raise and more airtime because y'all putting him through hell. <laughs> Seriously, give him a bonus. Shit, this is insane. <laughs> he, like, got new, he got a new leading lady every three weeks. <laughs> It's literally going to work and be like, I wonder who who my scene partner is going to be today. <laughs> who is playing my wife today? On this day. <laughs> oh, Shall we move into our critical cases? Yes. 
First things first, Tracy tries to get through to Nettie after Leo gets hurt acting out. She doesn't get through, but Chase does, and he visits home and reconnects with Leo. Y'all, I don't, as much as I don't understand this story, and I do not understand why we are here, my weak ass was sobbing my face (laughs) off. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, uh, I have. I have thoughts and feelings and they conflict because like y'all don't hurt my baby. So I'm over this Eddie main shit, like wrap it up over it that, completely and it. totally done with it. Hit Ned with a rock, unscramble his brains <laughs> get him back to normal. Like I'm, I'm so done. I'm, I'm so done. But like on the other side of that, the performances are really freaking good. Like they are carrying Wally and Jane and those scenes in the oh. park. Oh my God. When, listen, when she said, You are my son, my bright, beautiful boy, I, as much as I hate this story, and God knows I cannot stand this story, I was sobbing. Like, oh, Wally and Easton during those scenes where oh, and Leo were so like, good. And the thing is that it, it frustrates me because, like, we could be getting performances like that in a story that was actually good. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, we're in a story that makes absolutely no sense conceptually. And, like, listen, I get it. Right now, it feels like the only reason any of this is happening is because they want to set Nina up to fall from the highest possible height. And the thing is, I don't care enough about that. We were already achieving that before this shit. Like, we I were, don't like, I don't care enough about that to sit through this. I don't, I'm sorry. I don't care about ne- that Nina's part in this at all because she didn't do anything for me. Like she, he fell. And And they're not playing it like like, they're not playing it like she didn't do anything. Like I thought, oh no, she's not responsible for the accident. But y'all, she didn't do anything. Is doing a lot of work there because Ned was fighting for her life. Ned was fighting for his life because and she literally did nothing. The thing is, the show. Oh no, not not that. I mean, like no, no, I don't mean. (laughs) I don't mean like when he was in the pool. I mean, like when everybody was coming at him about the SEC stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that that particular part so, that like, makes sense. Like like y'all be giving Nina a lot of free passes on her bullshit. She does a mm. lot of shit. She does a lot of shit, and people are are always like, "Well, she didn't do anything." Yes, she did. It's okay. She, yeah, she she has people looking same, at him crazy. Same plot plot. So yes, he, he so he was gung ho to expose her and clear his name. That part I understand. The the angle of him falling in the pool and her not wanting to do anything to keep her a secret was unnecessary. So that's my disconnect with the story itself. But yeah, I that part I understand. It's like I, I just again I don't care enough about any of anything no, no. connected to Nina or that story to want to sit through this. But it's like when these actors do what it is they do, they do it so well that you can't help but respond to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the scenes were really good. 
it's I don't care about this story. I don't that part. <laughs> it doesn't help that this story makes absolutely no sense because again, Eddie Main is not a real person. Eddie Main has always been a stage persona. So them acting like Eddie Main is a real person and a split personality when that is absolutely not what he ever was or would be is just weird. Yeah, it's it's tiresome. I don't things I don't like when they do shit that we know doesn't make sense, and then they dig their heels in. Like this story could have worked if Ned thought it was ninety five. He was still married to Lois, and he didn't know who Brooke. He don't. He didn't know who Brooklyn was because he he was still married to Lois and Brooklyn wasn't born yet, and he knew who Sonny was. Like there were certain things they could have done. To like, make this make sense. Yeah, because yeah. even though like Eddie Main was an alter ego he created, he was still no Tracy's his mom. He would still know he's a quartermate. He just wouldn't know the last 25 years of his life. So why let him know he knows it's 2023, but he doesn't know anybody? That's stupid. Yeah. Like there's <sighs> Y'all didn't ask enough questions when you were storyboarding this. At all. And like, and while he's doing the best he can, Lisa Love Cicero is doing the best that that she can. Like, it just it's it's not enough. It is not enough. But the tears coming out of my eyes were not were not expected at all. But also, how dare you hurt my Leo and fix this immediately? That part. <laughs> <laughs> That part right there. I'm when over he, it. I'm over he, it. I'm over y'all don't hurt my baby. That's it. That's all. I ain't got nothing else for you. Fix it. When he when he ran in and said, Daddy, are you home? I was like, fuck you people. Y'all suck for this. I get this so nasty, so rude, so unnecessary. Chase um Brooklyn needs to screw Chase. Chase to thank you. <laughs> Because he he brought that crazy bastard home, and that was he like this, he, he he's coming in clutch. He's the only he's one of the only men worth a damn on this show. He really is. And his man taking it. I didn't put this in another news, so we'll just throw this in here since since you mentioned Chase taking him out of Chase Got Talent hell and rever- putting him back on the PCPD and like actually having him support Brooklyn after the truth came out has made me remember why I love Chase and Brooklyn together. Right? Like, they got a lot of work to do to fix what they broke, but I can see it. Because before, I was just like, yeah, this is dead. But I can, I'm I'm getting a little hope again. I like them again. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Yeah. He is not a central character. He's supporting a quarter main as he should be. And he's just he's just loving on her. And I'm okay with that. When he said it's best that you don't tell me, <laughs> I I was like, okay, see, this is a dynamic I can rock with. Yeah. Yeah. Are we ready to move on to our next critical case? Okay. <sighs> this is the thing that I absolutely am not rocking with, and Gladys needs to see Doug quickly. <laughs> Sasha starts hallucinating Cyrus and stabs Cody. She gets sent to Ferncliff. Fuck Gladys. 
Fuck, Doug. She needs to be sent to fucking purgatory. You don't deserve to see nobody, bitch. <laughs> like, if I Satan don't this. come get his handmaiden. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this at all. If Lucy just... come get your girl. And she... what's what's more frustrating is I don't know if y'all saw the tweet that I put in our group chat earlier. But apparently all of this stuff with the stabbing was filmed after Sophia had her baby. And Sophia may not actually... So she's not leaving. Th no. Thank you. So it sounds like Sophia is not even taking a, a maternity leave, which means we're doing all of this for shits and giggles. No, they're, they're doing it because it's going to be an actual story, and that pisses me off. Like... I am so tired of Sasha's trauma porn. That part. That part. Like, if this were... An ongoing battle with mental illness and mental health, and they were taking it seriously and not. They're mocking it at every turn, and it is so disgusting. And not for plot. I wouldn't hate it, but like. Like, I don't even think there's anything really wrong with Sasha. She just keeps getting gaslit. Yeah. And drugged. It's the drugs. <sighs> Whatever drug that doctor gave her contraindicated with whatever medication she was already taking and she started seeing crazy people and stabbing things and like and, why, why why am i supposed to i was just starting to warm up to cody and sasha i don't want this like i barely <laughs> wanted it before i don't her stabbing him is not romantic why couldn't you write her out if they were supposed to apparently they're not anymore the way you wrote out maxi when um kirsten storms was pregnant you foreshadowed her next romance. You let her go on maternity leave. It was a nice send off, and then you brought her back and launched this and had already launched the story. Like, why do we have to do this? Like, literally, they could have expo exposed Gladys, yeeted Gladys the fuck out of the universe, because out of town is not enough at this point. She needs to die. That's it's where I'm at. <laughs> like at the very least, this that's needs to be her Sasha exit story. <laughs> that's who Sasha should have stabbed. Lettuce right in the throat. I, I hate that bitch. Here's my thing. So like, there's not, there's I don't see a path forward for her character at because all. I don't think there's enough interest in Gladys for for with the audience for a redemption arc. There wasn't enough interest and, in Gladys to have her on past the expiration of her son. And she's not she's not a character that's meshed across the canvas enough to make her like an old school Lucy Cove scheming scammer who does shady shit, gets caught, gets knocked down, and gets back up with her next move, you know, onto the next hustle. Like you can't do that with Gladys because there's nowhere to put her. her too. There's no place else to put her. And yeah, so for when Lucy me, was like, doing that, she at least pro you probably had potential pairings. You yeah, like and yeah. there's nobody there for Gladys like that. Yeah, like at at a certain point, you you just it's the end of the road for me, and I need it to be the end of like the trials and tribulations of Sasha because this is a lot. The, the the trials have trialed and the tribulations have tribulated <laughs> and I'm I'm when when I'm you have tired. me when you have me cheer like listen I was cheering for Diane in that scene when she was like don't worry about him just look at me you don't matter and when she told Gladys the one thing you don't want to do is threaten me because Gladys why are you 
acting so i mean we know but gladys is also a fucking moron because why are you acting so shady to her lawyer right she's telling her so the thing is like and the thing is the thing is when it comes to the stories that they've given sasha it's just been one thing after another mm-hmm. and as much as Sophia puts into her performances and she does, and I would never take away with that. She has to be tired they don't too. Let, they don't let any of Sasha's trauma breathe. Like, it's at nothing's ever fully explored before they pile on the next thing. And then when she's in spaces where she's fine and she's stable, we don't see her. So it's like we only really get to see Sasha when she's going through it. And I'm just, I'm tired. I'm over it. I'm, it's not, it's not fun. It's not something that I enjoy watching. It's just enough. It's, it's exhausting. Like it's exhausting as the audience. I have to imagine it's, it's exhausting for Sophia. Like, could you imagine, like, opening up the script and seeing she has to cry again? Like, at a certain point, you gotta let a character get a win. Like, like yeah. at a at a at a certain point, she she needs to get a sustained period of happiness, whatever. Even that if it's with Cody. Like. Listen, I just, I just, I don't, I just please get get. I don't care who offs Gladys at this point. It, it 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 could be the mailman. Like the mailman could just run her over with his mail truck. I don't care. Just get her gone. Yeah. Her and the just... doctor can take each other out in the most ridiculous scene possible, and I would be okay with it. Long as fucking over. <laughs> Listen, I I... over. And like, like that is the thing that doesn't make any. Like, okay, what is his angle? Not getting caught, but what is sending her to Frankliff gonna do? Because unless no, like, what with- is his angle? Why are you risking like your whole career? Why are your professional? Because I'm sorry, I don't I jail don't believe- time. Like I, I don't believe Gladys lays it down like that. <laughs> like, Ew. what are you? <laughs> what are you getting out of this? I'm glad he's a day player because I'm I'm just relieved they don't have a character we're supposed to care about doing this silly shit. Where is Kevin Collins when you need him to save us from this shit? What would he do? He's a psychiatrist. He can take over her care. Wasn't he supposed to be her? Like, I don't even remember what... They met once, I think, when they were talking about... I think Kevin is her regular doctor, but this is the doctor specifically assigned to the case to assess whether or not she's free, she's able to be freed from her guardianship is how they explained it. Like, Sonny, just kill her. Just kill her. <laughs> Gladys, kill her. yes. I'm tired. Like, it's not fun. And I like Sasha, but they're making me resent the character because this shit is not interesting. It's not compelling. It's not entertaining to watch. I'm just tired all the time. I'm tired for her. Give her a damn break. And it doesn't help that she keeps piling on the praise to Gladys. Like, I wish she knew what Gladys was doing and she couldn't prove it. That might make this a little more compelling. Yeah, because she adores Gladys. And that's what's pissing me off. You're betraying her trust left and right. 
because she, she wasn't gonna like disown you idiot like she she liked that, you that is the th it would be I, I think that's the <laughs> i think Gladys that's the really frustrating thing like if they had an adversarial relationship yeah before like brando passed and this was just like an extension of that okay. it would make sense but it but doesn't make sense Sasha they would absolutely it. open her purse if Gladys was like, hey, I'm in trouble. I need. Like they did it their beef when Liam died. Yep. She clung, she clung on to Gladys when Brando died. Because that was the only connection she had to Brando and the baby. To Brando. Because she's always gonna have a connection to the baby. That was the only connection she had to Brando. So why is Gladys treating her like some stranger on the fucking corner? Like she acting like Brando went and eloped with some random woman and she never liked her in the beginning at all. This is weird. No, nothing about it makes sense. The motives for Gladys doing it don't make sense. I mean, Gladys being a money-hungry bitch makes complete sense, but she yeah, should but she be wasn't in danger of losing the money. <laughs> like yeah. she should yeah. be she should be thinking, let me keep Sasha healthy so this gravy train don't stop. That part. This this whole entire thing just made me very uncomfortable. Sophia played the hell out of it, but it just it was all very uncomfortable. Yeah. She was she's always she's been good. Someone said it reminded them of when Laura was written out in O two and I'm like, I've seen those scenes and I do not wanna revisit no shit like that. Yeah. No, definitely not. I, I've only seen little bits of that. But yeah, I don't need that revisited now ever again. And for this reason, like no one was <sighs> what's her Laura genuinely thought she murdered her stepfather. We know she didn't. And it's fucked the reason <laughs> the person <laughs> who let her take the fall for it is fucked up. <laughs> but we we watched I think we watched enough of it happen that it was able that you could make sense out of it it wasn't in character for Rick but we watched it play out with this someone's actively driving Sasha crazy Laura just went crazy like there's a it's it's different when it's deliberate and she like there's no one that can say people are catching on now but it's only after the fact and it's like if someone if at the very least Sasha knew and she was trying to tell somebody and maybe not everyone believed her but someone believed her which would explain the escalating to the drugging because the drugging just came out of nowhere that's yeah, the other like, thing too yeah. there, was there was no, no reason for them to do this there was no impetus to this other than Sonny saying that he believes that Sasha can get her guardianship revoked. But, like, Sonny's not the judge. Sonny's not the one making the decision. So it was just all very odd. Yeah, and again, even if Sasha got the guardianship lifted, Gladys wasn't in danger of losing anything. She is, however, in danger of finding out exactly how much money Gladys took from her. Because remember, Sasha hasn't seen her bank accounts, doesn't know exactly how her money's being spent. The minute that guardianship comes up, 
everything Gladys has done over the last few months, all the exorbitant money that she spent will be exposed. Yeah. And I think we know Gladys has a gambling addiction. Are we supposed to feel sorry for her? Um, I don't know, because with this show, you never know who the protagonist and the person you root for is supposed to be. That's but, my concern. Like, But I most assuredly come, do not. After it comes out what she's been doing, they're going to lean on to her being an addict, and that's going to piss me off. I think the thing is, if they were going to do that, they need to be presenting her in a sympathetic light all the way through and they haven't done that and that's why it's going to piss me off if they decide to lean on that crutch after all after it all comes out oh i had i have issues and i got i got caught up in some sasha would have paid your debt like that part (laughs) she would have paid your debt and sent your ass to rehab And knowing that we're not doing this to facilitate Sophia's maternity leave, knowing that she opted not to take one because I guess the the way GH's production schedule worked out, she didn't need to. Um, and that they're still going through with this is all the more infuriating. Because why? I think that I think to write her out may have been the plan when they realized that she wasn't going to take one. They probably were just like, well, we got to go through with it. I just, I don't want to watch it no more. I just don't. And I think we've pretty much said all we wish to say on this particular topic. Shall we move to the next one? Sure. Portia talks to Spencer about Trina as Trina has breakfast with Taggart. What did y'all think of the Portia Spencer conversation? Um, from what I remember, I was fine with it. It's probably she probably said some things I've wanted her to say to and about Spencer for a while, but they're just now getting to that point, which annoys me because they've been ignoring the elephant in the room since May that he still lives with Esme. By choice. Yeah. The only thing that bothered me about those scenes is the fact that a couple of weeks ago we saw her being so nice to Esme. It's like, like Whiplash. Like yeah. You, it, you hate her or not. Like, yeah. Y'all. I, if Johnny had two apples. Because <laughs> I know y'all are not. I know pretending that you don't understand the dynamic that was going on in those scenes between Portia and Esme. Portia was playing the fuck out of Esme. None of that was that part. That part. I know. So that it's not it's it's not a sudden change. It's not a oh, I don't understand why she was this way in scenes with Esme. But when she's talking about her to Spencer, she's this way. No, I'm no, we're not doing that. We're not going to sit here and pretend like we don't understand exactly how Portia feels about that girl. I agree with you. The prop, my issue is the second set of scenes. I said that the first time when she told Esme to leave and take the baby. Yeah. What, I don't. It was. It was her the, every interaction with Esme is designed to manipulate her into doing what she wants her to do. She does not have any warm, fuzzy 
nice feelings about Esme. She is very clear on what she thinks about that girl. She's going to be nice to her to her face if that gets her, you know, what she wants. But it, that, no, that would that makes sense to me logically, but the execution is weird for me. Same. Like, what do y'all want? What I what I what I initially because wanted... like. I'm and I'm I'm serious when I ask this question because it's like if you know if you're saying that you know what Portia's motivation is, why is it why is her not having that same energy about Esme when why is her having this type of energy about Esme when Esme's not around surprising in any way? I think what I want is for her to achieve the manipulations that she, because for me, it feels like her goal is to get Spencer and Trina apart. And I feel like she can accomplish that by not necessarily having to interact with Esme. Oh, I don't disagree there, but that's not what you were complaining about. My thing with Portia specifically and her interactions with Esme the first time where she told her to leave, I understood that. That's where I thought we were going with her trying to get rid of Esme and therefore getting rid of Spencer in the process. The you should take the, parent, the, the, you should take the parenting, parenting classes, class scene. It was a bit weird for me because it felt friendly and I don't think it was supposed to. Yeah, and, and no, it was just... absolutely supposed to because, again, her every interaction with Esme is a manipulation. She's not going to come at her with any kind of raggedy energy because she's trying to get this girl to do the things that she wants her to do in order to drive that wedge between her daughter and these people that she does not want her child around. Nick, okay. is it the fact that it and felt like, too... It didn't like, feel too, I, too genuine in those scenes. And we're so used to everybody else being nice to Esme that it kind of triggered something that it maybe not wasn't not necessarily what they were aiming for, but it's what hit for us. Um, I think when they first started interacting, I think I remember saying this. I wanted there to be a scene where like Portia was kind of like psyching herself up to deal with Esme in the way that she dealt with her. I think yeah. I think that may be me asking for too much, but they've they've been heavy handed before. And I don't think this is I don't think this is where they need to be subtle. I think though, again, <laughs> like you're not wrong. Don't don't misunderstand me. You're not wrong there, but again, that would require them writing these interactions in a way that serviced Portia Portia as a character and that's not what they're doing they're servicing Esme so like my whole thing is like I'm I think what I have an issue with with what y'all are saying is that it is very very clear how Portia feels about this girl and so to pretend that anything that she said in those scenes with Spencer was some sort of a, a, a tonal shift or a change in her attitude, it's disingenuous because it's not. It was not. I agree with that. 
I think it's for me. I just wish she could kind of. I I I get her story plot purposes why she's not. I just want her. I want her. I want somebody to keep that energy with Esme to Esme's face. It's the execution for me. I have no problem with her trying to. I I had more of a problem with Spencer in those. Scenes. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna pivot there next. Cause let's like, talk, talk about cause, cause like Portia's for me, like Portia's entire motivation is very, very clear. And mm-hmm. having any sort of raggedy energy with Esme is not to her benefit. So like, I don't expect that for a lot of reasons. I don't expect that, but like my thing um, with when Spencer sp- almost, when Spencer almost said she was different, I wanted to yeah. fling something at the TV. Uh, and let me be super clear: I think it's wildly plot driven, and it is completely out of character for Spencer to have any sort of softening towards his abuser. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what Esme is, because if Spencer had done to Esme the things that Esme did to Spencer, with the targeting and the gaslighting and the manipulation and the controlling, everybody and their great grandmother would be, and rightfully so calling him out for emotional abuse so we're not going to give Esme's intimate partner violence a pass simply because she's a woman we don't do that here um but I'm also not gonna pretend that problematic writing isn't problematic writing simply because it's my my fave that would be like like holding the (laughs) L here um the way at the point of which he's even thought about mounting any sort of defense of Esme specifically to Portia no catch fire honey I do I do appreciate that he pivoted mid-scene and was like nope this is wrong let me just say it's complicated however it's not no it's not no it's not move the fuck out that yeah that part we're here finally we're here I was glad I've been screaming it internally since May until I started screaming it on the podcast. Why is he still living there? By choice. And I'm glad that Portia said something. Like all Of all the things Portia's done, she said nothing wrong in those scenes. No, her her point was 100% valid. It was it, like she was 100% right in everything that she said. And like and and to and to continue into like the start of Spencer and Trina's conversation like and it, w- it was a good start to have him hang up on Esme if it had nothing to do with Ace but now you need to move out keep that same energy Spencer right stop this- putting your girlfriend in situations where she has to swallow her discomfort around that girl and I will say too I also like the fact that rather than heeding Portia's advice and just walking away from her he started the conversation of do I make you happy or do I bring you more stress or what or whatever he said like I like the fact that he started the conversation and he was if she had said that he makes things more complicated he would have bounced in a second but I like the fact that rather than just bouncing because he believes it's what's best for her he's talking to her first I that's great. I just need yeah. to change behavior. <laughs> that that yeah. part because like I saw people getting excited about the scenes. I was at work and I came home and I watched, and I was like, 
I'm probably going to be the bad guy here, but this didn't move me much. I'm sorry. It just, it didn't. I think, this is generally what I think. I think Spencer's gotten the pass because he's a decent looking white boy. And Trina's a black girl. And there's sort of this air of, oh, he's choosing her. No, he's not. She's given up too much for him. And the scenes, they are start, but they're not enough for me to get excited because I don't trust this show and I don't trust the writing. He needs to move out today, yesterday. He needs to be on the phone with a realtor because there's no other option at this point. Do you love Trina or not? Show me better than you can tell me. I don't want to hear words no more. Trina's shown constantly that she really cares about him. I need him to start showing. Yeah, no, definitely. Like th this is the start because I even said it when I was watching the scenes um, yesterday when I was catching up before we before we recorded. Um, I even said, "Great, he's in that moment. He he actively chose Trina over Esme." But that's not enough. He needs to now move out and continue making those choices. Just make her comfortable. That's all. I, that's all I really want. Just make her comfortable. I'm tired of seeing her be uncomfortable, just to be around him because Esme's a presence. Right. Yeah. And, and to kind of pivot over to the Trina Taggart stuff, you kind of get to see her like voice that she's feeling the weirdness and disconnection from Taggart since she found out about Curtis but yet when it comes to her and Spencer she's not given the opportunity or the chance to truly voice how she feels about Esme and it's just it's the biggest elephant in the room for me right now that needs to get addressed yeah how do y'all feel about the possibility that um, that it seems like Taggart might be heading for an alcoholism story? Um, I, I'm not a fan of it solely because I don't think it's necessary. Only because I don't... Taggart has never given me the impression that he feels like he's losing Trina. Trina doesn't even give me that impression. Like, it feels like they're working through a rough patch right now. But also, I'm also worried, like, if they're going down that route, are we going to see Taggart enough for them to show me that story? Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, please, if we're going to do this, can we at least show him more than, like, once a month? But also... It's going to be a lot with Taggart drinking and Curtis paralyzed for the love of God. Just give Taggart the commissioner job and let him be happy and present in Trina's life. I don't That's need, right. <laughs> I don't need Trina to have two sad daddies. We already have one. Right. <laughs> let Curtis be the burden. He's always been let Taggart be the stable one. Yes. Please. And shall we take this moment to uh, talk about Curtis? Also, before we pivot, Portia may have hurt 
Taggart's feelings and betrayed his trust. But let's not act like Taggart isn't grown. He's grown. He got bad news. That's unfortunate. Let's keep the same energy we kept with Curtis when he found out about the secret. This is not Portia's fault that he's drinking. No, Taggart's making a choice to react badly to this, shall we say. The port, it, you know, Trina's, not Trina's world was turned upside down too. She ain't losing her damn mind. Right. And honestly, she would have every reason. She would to. have every right to, reason and right to, but she's not. These men are grown. Let them be that. But y'all can't blame Portia for global warming. Like, we get it. She's made mistakes, but she ain't she ain't kidnapping bitches and locking them in rooms. She's have you have you seen people blaming her, or is this a preemptive thing? No, I've seen it. I've seen it. Every time Taggart is upset, or every time Trina's upset, and if Taggart the the mere notion of Taggart possibly drinking because he's hurt. Oh, people are mad at Portia. Look what you did. No, he's doing this. The initial pain that he felt in the shock of finding out that they were not father and daughter. Yeah, Portia made that mess. His reaction to that news, everything after that, that's on Taggart. Yeah, I love Taggart, but yeah. I'm not going to blame We Portia don't blame women for the actions of men. Thank you. Regardless of what the woman did, you are an adult. Act like it. Just like we said, you know, Portia lying to Curtis about Trina, their entire relationship does not give per Curtis permission to shove his tongue down Jordan's throat. Or just go and get drunk and wallow mm -hmm. in his feelings when he should have been trying to reassure Trina that when you're ready to talk, I'm here. We we the whole timeline dragged Curtis for that. When he was at the bar drinking and crying. So why is it different with Curtis? I mean with Taggart. It's because y'all are mad at Portia for other things, and that has nothing to do with this. Speak on it. But shall we move into the Curtis of it all? Yes. Curtis wakes up and is paralyzed, and it seems that the paral uh, his paralyzation is permanent. What did y'all think? Julie, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> um, I have. I'm of. I'm of two minds on this. Um, the first is that I appreciate them giving Donnell material and giving him a story because quite frankly if his peers can be written for so can he mm -hmm. um the whole thing of for me and I feel this way regardless of who it is um the whole thing of giving a character a disability as a means for character growth or as Emmy bait only for it to be quote-unquote cured later it hits is, an ick it's a trope that I need to die in a fire and not just on soaps, but like on shows in general, because there is something like <laughs> and I get it. No one really likes to acknowledge certain things, but there is something deeply 
inherently ableist and only ever presenting physical disabilities as temporary roadblocks to a character's happily ever after. It's... Yeah. And speaking as somebody who has a permanent physical disability, it hits an ick. It's, it's insulting because it's like, I feel like storytelling and storytellers should have advanced to the point where we don't present like the quote unquote magical cure for disability because there are millions of disabled people who who are living happy, successful, fulfilling lives with their disabilities. They're not, you know, um, you know, they're not trapped in their chairs or, you know. Yep. Over I, like, like it, it, it's just, it's, I don't, with, if, if you're going to cure him, I don't want it. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like, I'll be honest. I was reading recaps of, I think it was Friday when he um, found out he was paralyzed. I was reading recaps before I had seen the show and it was hitting every wrong button inside of me because it felt like they were doing the, well, if I'm going to be paralyzed, I would have rather have been dead route. And that just hit my instant anger button. I'm not even going to lie. However, when I actually watched the scenes, that doesn't seem to be what they were doing. So I was wrong on that. Um, Donnell did an amazing job with the confusion. And then when they found the way that they kind of revealed to the audience that it was permanent, it wasn't that we found out when Curtis found out. We found out when TJ found out. Yeah. And seeing TJ and Portia have that moment to react and then watching Portia tell him, my heart shattered. It was Portia trying to keep it together before she went and talked to TJ and the other doctor. Um, I've, I've I watch other shows and Emmerdale literally just did a similar story, but the character's name is Marlon. He had a stroke. It was said from the beginning that he has to work toward recovery. If we had done that, I would have been okay with this. And that's solely because I know, because of how American soaps are specifically, that they're going to do the miracle cure by Christmas. And if you're not sticking with it, it's gross and a bit insulting for to do that we just did this with Sunny a few years ago either stick with it or don't do it get a second a third opinion from another doctor he can recover just because I don't trust them and I'm pretty sure that's where we're going I'd be genuinely shocked if they kept Curtis in a wheelchair like I have a uncle who, how old am I? It was happening in 2002. So 21 years ago, he got into a car accident. And he's been paralyzed from the waist down since. Nothing's changed. He's still in a wheelchair. And they've done rehab. They've done multiple surgeries. It's That's just a fact of his life now. I think if they were going to do that, fine. But 
because it's GH. And it's and a miracle cure. And it's, it's, a, medical a, miracle, show. And it's a medical show. Like, And they miracle cure everything. And listen, my disability does not have a cure. I was born, um, for our podcast listeners who may not be aware, I was born with cerebral palsy and diagnosed with it at 18 months old. I will be 32 next month. And I have been living my life in a wheelchair my entire life. And my life is completely full. And I have a great life. But soaps always have this way of making a wheelchair seem like this fate worse than death. And it is offensive on every level of my being. And I really don't want them to do that with this story. Yeah. Like, um, my dad had a stroke before he passed. He had a stroke way back in 04. And he was, um, he lost the use of his left arm and he lost most of the mobility in his right leg and he had to go through he also had speech problems as a result and like he had to go through a lot of rehab and a lot of therapy and he got to a place of recovery but he was never I mean like he never recovered like the use of his arm he got to a place though where like he could he he daddy was he was still my my father my father was still driving he was still like very independent he was doing his thing and then in about 2012 he started developing blood clots and one of his clots resulted in him needing to have his leg amputated right above the knee and so then it was another like recovery process and getting fitted for a prosthesis and learning how to manage with that but like my daddy kept like and and he did he went through a depression he went through a period of like you know really being in his feelings and and being in a dark place and and having to you know work through that but like my daddy kept right on rolling he he figured out you know how to how to how to work in therapy to get to you know a place where he was as recovered as he could be to have as much of a quality of life as he you know had had before and like up until like he got sick right before he passed like my dad was still my dad was driving he was still independent he was still going fishing he was still hanging with his friends so it's like the idea that a physical disability is the end of a person's life it just it hits me in very uncomfortable very wrong places and i don't i don't like it i don't and i don't think it's their intention to do that i don't think they realize the messaging that they're sending out the thing the thing is though I, I, I'm going to push back on that because I think that they do because there have been enough disability rights experts and, you know, disability advocates who have spoken about the way disability is presented in media. That they should know better. That if you don't know better, it's because you're being willfully obtuse. Yeah. Fair point. 
But yeah, I just I'm I'm at the point where I would be fine. I'm I would be fine with this if they're going to make this a permanent situation. Because I feel like that would be an interesting journey to see. And that would be something that we don't normally see on soaps. And particularly with a black man where their masculinity is so tied to physicality because of <laughs> stereotypes and tropes and, and things like that. To have him kind of have to recalibrate where he gets his value, where he gets his worth. That would be an interesting journey too. I don't know if they have the, <laughs> I don't know if they have the range to to pull off that nuance. Because I mean, like, and like Nick, I know you're probably more qualified to speak on this than I am. But I know, like, for me, just the black men in my life have been very much on that protector, provider, you know strong head of household thing and that's something that they're just it's the way we're wired it's... yeah <laughs> I yeah you're 100% correct I can especially especially someone like Curtis who was a cop who was a DEA agent who went yeah. to on to be a private investigator like him being a club owner is probably the most I would say domesticated job he's had. <laughs> he's not a he's a doer. Like yeah, the, and um, even the, with that, he jumps into physical yep situations. Yep, the WSB was scouting him. Like so, if you're going to do this, this seems like we already here. Since since you're doing this, commit to it and be the medical soap you were supposed to be I think you could do that I just don't have any hope if, that that they're sticking that this is going to be a permanent thing yeah I'd be shocked if it's going to be permanent I would prefer they hadn't done it at all because you can't do you can't hit us with oh it's going to be permanent and then six months to a year later oh he's fine that's fucked up now I, I would would you be okay with it if they if they um undid it in saying he was originally misdiagnosed that's why I wanted them to get a, a another opinion immediately like oh he's no He's he he may, he should be fine. He's just gonna have to work harder. Like remember on days when we met Jordan, Rafe was in um physical therapy. What was he in physical therapy for? He got shot. No, yeah, um, he was he was in a coma. I think yeah, he had gotten shot. I forget how he got shot. I know. I think. He was in a coma for a while, but I forget what put him in the coma and yeah. his muscles had atrophied. Yeah. So like I don't ever remember the 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 discussion of it being permanent coming up. So like when you start with this with this conversation, it doesn't leave me <laughs> very right. hopeful. Like I wouldn't have a problem if they if he stayed in a wheelchair. 
but I don't trust you to make that decision. And especially like seeing and what they did with Donna and the spina bifida oh, and the three yeah. and, <laughs> and the three two one cure that that was, which trust me is not a thing. Um, they just don't have a good track record. Yeah, at all. That part. These writers specifically, because I'm pretty sure Chris and Dan were the ones that did that. I think they were. Good God, when was Donna born? Uh, 2019. Yeah, I yeah I think yeah twenty I think so. Yeah, she was born September 2019, and it was Shelley and Chris, but he was still there. It's just yeah they and they they undid that so fast. Like we never even talk about the fact that Donna Donna was supposed to have spina bifida, and again at that same time I think Holyoaks was doing a story where. Uh, they actually had shout. it, DJ. Yeah. He um, still has it. Like, yeah, it's a thing he has to live with. M- Mandy and um, Darren's son and, and Darren's son, DJ. Yeah, yeah. So, like, there are plenty of examples that you could have taken from if you were going to do a disability story, and it was gonna, and you were gonna start with, oh my god, it's permanent. And I think that's a way to kind of really explore the family dynamics of the Ashfords if you make you basically Curtis is a new person if he's if he's paralyzed for the rest of his life he's has to figure out how to operate in a very different way than what he's accustomed to and I think that's that can open up a world of possibilities for storytelling and what you can do with this family, I'm just concerned about the commitment to it. Yeah. Now, something else they could do. Now, I, I literally just had this thought, and then we'll go into um, our making the rounds after this. But what if they somehow tie this into what's going on with Marshall? In that, because Marshall was misdiagnosed with schizophrenia all those years ago, he refuses to accept Curtis's diagnosis and goes on the journey to find him a doctor that can that can find a way to help him. I mean, with that, I w- I wouldn't be opposed to Marshall, like trying to work out his own issues through not accepting his what's happening to his son i just don't he i don't want him to be successful at it that's like if if he's gonna go that route i would i because that's the they give us every medical story we don't ask for that's what i wanted i wanted that to be the next story for the ashford family marshall going down the path of trying to figure out why how and who misdiagnosed him because it's it's there's a lot of potential there too. I wouldn't hate that. I just wouldn't want it to culminate in Marshall being successful. Unless like unless what we just saw was a misdiagnosis and there is another more qualified hell, where's Patrick Drake? That could give us <laughs> where that could give us a oh no, there is a strong possibility he can recover. It's just going to take a long ass time. Like, can Elizabeth reach out to Patrick on behalf of Portia? Please, 
and thank you since I yeah because Portia and because Patrick wasn't here when Portia started so no, I would didn't. love they for like a I would love for like Elizabeth to be like I am best friends with the best neural and spinal surgeon in the world here's his f phone number call him he can help and take it from there Patrick, Noah, Matt, they're all, I forgot they all have the same specialty. Call one of them if you're not going to stick with this and just say it was a mis misdiagnosis, but you can't, it has to be quickly. You can't leave that dangling and say oh, in six months, oh, it was a misdiagnosis. Oh, he'll be fine. You told us at the beginning of the story that yeah, like it, yeah. it has to be within the next couple of days. Like maybe, maybe something was wrong on the scan and it looked more permanent than it than it was. But that has to be something that you rectify in the next week or two maximum. Yeah, because TJ and Portia's reactions were like, oh shit, are they really doing this? But then I have to remember, this is GH. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that it's GH. It's just that, like, it's TV. It's the genre in general. And, mm -hmm. and it's the genre specifically in TV in general, because it's very rare that they let a character, especially like a physical disability, yeah. like they'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll do like the, um, the the autism is a superpower trope with many 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 male characters um but like physical disability seems to be kryptonite yeah it's the thing that they just absolutely don't want to depict yeah and hopefully they will tell this story with care we can only hope and pray at this point. And on that note, we are going to segue into making the rounds. We have Lucy and Felicia almost get arrested in Pine Valley. Anna wants to use herself as bait to trap the shooter. Ava and Austin have the double date from hell with Sonny and Nina, and Sonny is suspicious of Austin. Carly visits Drew in what I am now dubbing the Pentonville Airport Lounge. Esme <laughs> <laughs> visits Heather and are they chemistry testing Gregory and Tracy Dylan I'm going to kick it off with you okay um, I figure we all have thoughts on this one so I'll go with uh, Lucy and Felicia almost getting arrested in Pine Valley uh, <laughs> I find any of this I like I will say Walt Willie has not lost a step. He needs to be on somebody's soap. Please, because he needs to be employed. I miss him on my screen. Having said that, I don't need they, they could have kept all of this. This felt entirely pointless, to be all honest. Like, if they weren't going to make make this about the Deceptor, why are we doing this? If they weren't going to like make one of Martin's wives someone we gave a damn about, or even make it a story we gave a damn about, you it's about hummingbird cake. <laughs> Are you serious? It's giving pickle Lila, and I don't like Well, I, I think the hummingbird cake wasn't, I think was just how they were unmasked, so to speak. I don't think it has anything to do with this current story. 
I think, okay. <laughs> I guess I'm just that person today on the podcast. Um, I'm going to remind the two of you what fan service is. This was not meant to be a story. Like, let's establish that from the beginning. Fan service and media, the only reason it exists is to add something usually that doesn't have any direct relevance or character development for strictly the purposes of, of letting fans have a little something that they can enjoy. And fans of AMC were really, really happy to see Jackson and Walt Willie. That was the point. That was it. That was all. I see that, and I don't like it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not... And look, I'm always the person saying that you have to be very, very careful when it comes to General Hospital, because this this fandom is a little... We're going to say territorial. <laughs> That's putting it nicely, but nicely done. <laughs> They're a little territorial, but, like, fan service is strictly adding something for no other reason than making fans happy. That is it. Like, if your expectation was for this to be anything other than people looking up and being like, oh my God, it's Jackson. Oh, we get to see Jack for, you know, two, three days. Lower them. <laughs> that was the point. That was it. That was all. Take your fan service and be blessed. Be happy. Enjoy it. I, I will say them tying Anna into it was the only part of it that I was like, oh, they're actually acknowledging her, her Pine Valley history exists. That's nice. I think I think I thought it was going to be like more to inform Martin and Lucy's story. And I don't think that's happening. So I'm just, <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, okay. That was cute, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think my thing is, I thought it was going to be one, like, I thought it was going to be tied to one thing, and then they didn't do the thing I thought they were going to do. And so I'm just kind of like, well, okay then. We're here. And, like, yeah, I think we'll, I think we'll this see is... what happens next. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, this I, is honestly... like one of those times where it's, it's literally not that deep. And I feel like people... I don't know. I've been feeling kind of because I've caught that vibe recently whenever there's been like a stunt cast and I've, I've done it too. been like, okay, but why? <laughs> and then I have to remind myself that like the point it is simply for people to see it and be like, oh, cool. I want to I want to see my fave do X, Y, Z. That that's it. That's the entire point. Like it's it's nothing deeper than that. And I think I'm gonna lay a little bit of the blame of me going there on the show, however, because of how they framed it before Jackson showed up. We had all of those scenes about Martin talking about how Lucy can't talk about the deceptor and give him credit for the deceptor, tied into Tracy having a super secret partner and wanting to know all of the tea on the deceptor. 
So I naturally added up those things and came up with, okay, this is going to tie into why ever Jackson's here. And then it didn't. I don't know what I thought it was. I I get it, Dylan. I just don't care. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair because the thing is, like, when that's not your my thing, it's not yeah. my Jewish. Though I've said it openly, the only reason I ever watched all my children was for the Hubbards, and ain't none of them, so I don't care. <laughs> like David Hayward, I would probably been excited about. <laughs> Yeah, like I get, like like for me, it was always like, oh, okay, cool, we're gonna get to see Jack again. I like I like Walt Willie. This this is this is cool. I can rock with this. Just make it make sense. Because like what I did not need for him to be, because like people were were like, oh well, he should have been in the SEC thing. Huh? Why? <laughs> exactly. Jack was a defense attorney, right? And he, and he, who does not live in New York? Why would he be a prosecuting attorney for New York State? Make it make sense. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that that because I actually thought he was before it was Zeke. I actually thought he was going to end up being um he was going to end up being Drew's attorney before it wound up being Zeke, and Zeke was the better choice. But yeah. I loved it's, seeing it's Jackson, but <laughs> yeah, like I, I, my whole thing is like it, was it wasn't. Weird. Yeah, it wasn't. It was nice, but it wasn't necessary, and I think that's okay. Nick, what are you choosing for your making the rounds pick? Um, Esme visits Heather. Can we confirm that this bitch is crazy and move on? Please, I'm tired. Confirm that she killed her parents so she could get her inheritance. It backfired, and that's why she um, was so okay with leeching on to Spencer because he was a cash cow. Let's make her crazy. Make her the evil villain she's supposed to be, and she was supposed to be, and let's go. I, I thought, silly me, I thought Ezra would have been in jail. I did not know Esme was going to visit Heather. <laughs> so when they said Heather's back, I'm like, well, Esme still has amnesia. The police don't want nothing to do with her ass. And Trina's stuck with her. So she not going to jail? So <laughs> I, I latched onto that idea the moment they said Heather was coming back. It was great to see Ali Mills. Um, the scenes were good. I I like the idea that Esme and Heather are more alike than Esme wants to admit or allegedly believes right now, but I think she remembers. I just think she want, she's playing the amnesia trope to her advantage. But at the very would least, would she I'll, need to do that with her mother? Like these scenes would have been the perfect time to reveal that she's not an amnesiac. No, I don't think she would need to do it with her mother. I think I don't think she trusts Heather yet. She, If it was Ryan, I think she would have dropped her facade immediately. Because she was closer with Ryan. She had a relationship with Ryan. She just met Heather, and she met Heather the way she met her. True. I don't think she trusts Heather yet. 
because Heather seems unreasonable and crazy on a good day. I think in in Esme's mind, she was calculated and there was a point to her madness. We may not agree with it, but as far as she's concerned, there was a reason for her doing what she did. As far as Esme's concerned, there was no reason for Heather to just start killing people <laughs> to, to protect her. Um, but I would be a thousand percent okay if we found out that Esme's faking, she's just biding her time to see how long she can get away with this and to see how long, see how much money she can get out of the situation so she can bounce. But her saying, oh, I'm not that person. Oh, I'm I'm reformed. You've done no and I'm, I was so glad to hear Alexa say you've done nothing to earn your redemption or any of the grace you're receiving. Right. It, it got somebody said it. It felt like the show got tired of us screaming it, <laughs> so they just put it in Alexis's mouth. But I was glad to hear someone say that to Esme to just knock her off her pedestal just a little bit. Um, and I'm I was glad to hear someone say it that is objective. Like Alexis is a castanine, but she's not very close to that situation, even though she probably should be. Um, and it kind of like made it a bit easier that I still want Trina to be the one to say it, but it made it a bit easier that they're keeping Trina from saying all these things um, or a bit easier to digest in that moment because Alexis wasn't really trying to one up her or like, or like um, even be like pull punches about it. You are who you are. You did what you did. You've done nothing to earn this respect or forgiveness or the second chances that you're getting. But yeah, confirm she killed her parents. Let her be crazy and ride ride the shit till the wheels fall off. All right. And my making the rounds pick is Anna wanting to use herself as bait to trap the shooter and Dante and Sunny trying to talk her out of it. The chemistry that Finola Hughes has with both Maurice Bernard and Dominic Zampronia in those scenes was heavily displayed and it was mind-fucking me to the max. Because I, the scenes with Anna and Dante specifically after Sonny left, I kept looking at those scenes going, why does it feel like he's flirting with her? And why am I okay with it? He has a crush. <laughs> also, it, like this is the, like this is, one of the few times I've actually seen a little bit of Sunny come out in Dante. Like Dante t <laughs> Dante totally has his father's charm. It's like when Olivia had a crush on Robert. Like yeah. <laughs> Olivia and Dante have a thing for super spies. <laughs> 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 Maybe they like watched 007 together when he was when he was a kid. Right. The fact that mother and son have crushes on the different halves of a super couple is hilarious. To me. <laughs> like that oh my god yeah like, like if Anna had to be with a younger man that would have been the choice yeah plus it's like it's Anna Devane yeah I got a crush on Anna Devane let's be <laughs> well, yeah those seats were really good they were and I, 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 I am actually kind of curious to see who was the shooter 
Also, just as a general aside, um, can we close down the Metro Court pool next summer? Because this year alone, <laughs> we've had a drowning. Metro Court pool is about to join uh, Spoon Island and parties. The Metro Court pool is the damn. You don't ghetto. don't party we- at Spoon Island. It's the ghetto. <laughs> you go there. It's like you might as well say the Red Roof Inn now. Because I mean, because we've had it, it, we've had a drowning, a shooting, and a stabbing. A par- there, last year the there was a para- last year there months. was a parachuting. Like it's just <laughs> where where is the Metro Court at? Like because. Don't it's, hang out at the pool. Don't party the ghosts, on Spoon Island. The yeah. ghost of the Port Charles Hotel fire is haunting the Metro Court. That place is good and ghetto. Don't go there. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 well, there's our podcast title, folks. <laughs> Do not go to the Metro Pool at all. That's like all you people hanging out at Lake Lanier. Ex- um, that's what, what I was going to say next. <laughs> Go on and fight them 50-pound beavers. You bad? <laughs> Why is it still open? That place needs to be condemned. That shit is Why insane. is the beaver 50 pounds? <laughs> what in the cocaine bear is going on <laughs> over there? No, no. This- I was talking about the hotel <laughs> I know that's a weird segue, but I'm just saying, some places let you know where you don't need to be. Very quickly. The Metro Court Pool is letting y'all know where you don't need to be. I don't know why you insist on going there. The Metro Court as a whole, because you can get shot at the drop of a dime there. Had a whole hostage situation. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple hostage situations. Zero stars. Sam, Sam, may have, Sam may have a good womb for a decade messed around with the Metrocore Hotel. Why is it still open? How is it still open? That makes no sense. Close that place down. Let's start again. <laughs> All right. And on that note, we move into our praise or shade. Nick, are you praising or shading? Um, I'm a praise. Some acting. Um the everybody in the Curtis story was really good. Um, Donnell Turner, uh, Brooke Kerr, Taj Bello, um, Tabiana Ali. Um, Even though the poor baby couldn't speak, poor Tabby. Yeah, right. Robert Gossett. There. That's why I'm. I really am interested if they're going to make it permanent, because if you can get performances like those out of those characters and those actors consistently you have a ball game because we know they can do the work we've seen them do it multiple times but give them something really meaty to rally around i think you would have a have gold on your hands but yeah those scenes seeing brooke kerr do her best as portia to remain calm and remain reassuring and remain just stable in that moment with Curtis and then watching her close that door and damn near fall apart. I'm like, okay, yeah. Like they're they're giving her opportunities to really show what she can do and she's knocking it out the park every time. Donnell Turner especially, especially impressed me too because he didn't do too much he was very understated. 
but his confusion was so realistic. Oh my God. Like that whole scene was so realistic too, because like, um, I was about to call him Taj, TJ and Portia were like talking over each other, trying to get him to calm down. The doctor's trying to get him to calm down and he's just like trying to get everybody to stop and to just talk to him and not at him. And I was like, I've been in that room. I felt that confusion. That that hit home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, those those things were really good for me. Dylan, what about you? Are you praising or shading? Um, I'm going to kind of hop on Nick's back bandwagon, and um, I'm praising performances as well. Um, Wally Kurth is just that dude. Ooh. He really is. Like, yeah, he took mine. <laughs> <laughs> It is what it is. He is he's just so good. And like he was so good in everything he did this week. It just how however you feel about the story aside, like the talent that he is displaying and like the different because it was really interesting to see him connected to Tracy without being Ned. Because even though he was Eddie and he was like, I'm not your kid, you still felt that chemistry and connection between him and Jane when they worked together. And yeah, they were dialed in. It's so good. He's so good. And his scenes with Easton, just how oh. it, just the best dad energy, even when again he's saying, I'm I'm not your father. Dude, yes, you are. <laughs> like like, Never cared about squid and octopus more. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know I'm not one for wildlife. Okay. I was so confused yet so in, it, it was just interesting to watch them bounce off of each other. They were so cute. It's just he's so good. He's so good. I I need more of him on my screen in stories I can enjoy. <laughs> at all times (laughs) like I wouldn't have been opposed to Ned having an illegitimate child why did it have to be Cody being Max kid this is what we get and sliding Cody into the Quartermain mansion would have made complete sense since he already lives there yeah and he would have been like the second coming of Jimmy Lee Halt because Jimmy Lee was kind of like the bad boy hillbilly so, and could you imagine Tracy finding out she's the stable boy's grandmother? <laughs> like, go wash, put some clothes on. You look crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't have um, that. <laughs> right? And I, I am going to hop on the praise train as well. I was going to praise Wally Kurth, but I am actually going to praise Jane Elliott. Um, she did some amazing work in the park and I wasn't like Jane always does amazing work but like I wasn't expecting to be hit in the feels and sobbing in the middle of a story that I can't stand there's something about when she knows when to pick her spots there's something about the times when she chooses to show us Tracy's vulnerability that makes it hit so much harder Mm-hmm. And then how she was able to quickly flip it off in the scenes with Harrison. 
or Gregory. I don't know. What the hell is his first name? <laughs> Gregory. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, the way she was immediately able to flip it off and put that wall back up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because bitch, mind your business. <laughs> that part. And also, too, it was very interesting that, like, they're having Tracy do to Gregory what Gregory did to Alexis when they first started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a weirdly interesting dynamic that I wasn't. It, weirdly, I think that's part of why they work for me. Because sh- he tries. It fails. <laughs> and and she's not having it. She's not entertaining it. She's not. No. And then he reads the cues. <laughs> he reads the room and he adjusts his behavior. And it's just, it's very, I, it's working for me. And I, I don't know. I did not anticipate it working for me. <laughs> but it me either, is. honestly. It is. And like, you're right, though, Tony James just, she is so masterful in her craft that you just, whenever she's on screen, she owns it. And she did such good work this week. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I can't picture what this story would look like without her. Good God. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad enough. (laughs) Exactly. Because it like, we're, Days is dealing with it right now with a turkey of a story, but the actors are pulling you through it with um, the Abe is presumed dead story. This story about Nettie Maine (laughs) is hot garbage because it makes no sense. But Wally Kurth and Jane Elliott and what's the little boy's name that plays Leo? Easton Rocket. Easton and Lisa Losis wrote and um Amanda Sutton. Amanda, Amanda Sutton too. Like she's very understated as well, but you can tell it's like the way she almost melted when Ned walked in the house and Chase was like, Yeah, I, I convinced him to come by. I'm like, this is this is I'm okay with this. Make Make Ned the centerpiece of the Quartermain family. Ned and Tracy, and I think we we like, have a ball game. Yeah, Michael can be a side character. He doesn't. He's never really been a Quartermain anyway. Make the court the actual Quartermains the centerpiece of the of that family, and we're good. Re, even recast Dylan. I know people have their issues with the character. I'm not sure why. We've dealt with worse. Um. <laughs> Find a decent actor and put Dylan back in the Quartermain Mansion for Sasha. But um, <laughs> but the Tracy and her brood are interesting. We've gotten so much of Alan and his, and y'all killed them all multiple times. And the only one we got is Drew, and he ain't worth a damn. The uh, Tracy's branch of the family is the one to explore and expand right now, and I would be okay with that. And on that note, do we have any final thoughts? Do not check into the Metro Court Hotel. It's <laughs> Please do do not check it at Kelly's your own got rooms upstairs. 
It may not be five star, but Kelly's is safer. <laughs> well, uh, Twitter streets are saying Carly's about to own Kelly's and there might be a makeover coming. So who knows what Kelly's is going to look like? I will hush until we leave because I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, y'all. Bye.